0: What is up, Thrive Tribe? So I received so many questions asking about my personal experiences with ayahuasca and how you can potentially pursue this path of plant medicines and do so in a very safe and sacred way. And I'm so excited that today's guest is a dear friend of mine, uh, Brandon Evans, and he is the co-founder of One Heart Journeys. So I actually went on one of their journeys a couple months ago in Costa Rica, and I also went on one of their journeys back in 2020, two of the most transformational experiences of my life. And in this conversation, we dive really deep into the power of ayahuasca and how it can really just help you become the best version of yourself and heal generational trauma and really just step into your power and unleash your full potential. We dive deep into Brandon's personal story of how he went from a successful tech founder and entrepreneur to really pursuing this more spiritual path connected to his heart, where he feels much more fulfilled and much more aligned. So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation with the one and only Brandon Evans. What is up Thrive Tribe? Welcome back to the Thrive University podcast. And guess what? You already know I got another legend in the house. It is the one and only Brandon Evans. And for those who don't know, Brandon, he started a couple of companies. He's done a couple of cool things in his career. He's an author. He also founded One Heart, which is an absolutely incredible, heart driven, mission based company that brings entrepreneurs executives, creatives to Costa Rica on these beautiful ayahuasca journeys and we actually just got <laughs> back from one a couple of weeks ago a last week, week. Ago. Yeah. and welcome to the show bro yeah awesome to be here be back in Miami yeah where it all began for us where it uh-huh. all began and just to provide the listeners with some context we met probably 4 years ago yeah about that and and Brandon was running Miami Made, which was basically just this beautiful community of heart-led entrepreneurs. And you transitioned and you created One Heart. Yeah, Miami Made was
1: in some ways a little beta version of One Heart minus the ayahuasca. But uh, when we...
0: When we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Barry and I, when we got to Miami, we just really wanted to, you know, there wasn't a lot happening like there is now as far as in the startup space and really just wanted to connect founders, especially conscious founders and find a space where we could really all support each other. And it was kind of a beautiful place where I met you and many other people that ended up going on one of our journeys, ended up being good friends.
0: Yeah. I'm curious to know your story as far as I'm concerned in New York, on the external, from the outside, the aesthetic of your life looked pretty. Looked pretty good. Yeah, you know, you were you were uh, running a startup. You were married. You were probably living in a nice place in New York City. Mm-hmm. But on the inside, maybe things weren't going as smoothly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, the story was really. All my life, I was just achieving and doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, you know, kind of this type A run, 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 get it done. And you don't even have time to celebrate, you know, what you've just achieved. Mm. And I found myself in New York in a nice apartment, you know, married uh, and had just sold one company, literally spun off the other company before we, you know, while that, while that deal was going through, I spun off a separate company, raised a bunch of money for that. About a year or so later, my investors came to me and like, we, we want you to raise another $20 million. And at that point, you know, I just felt my heart sink and I knew like, this isn't what I wanted to be doing. Uh, I knew that the work I was doing was not serving humanity. We were selling a bunch of unhealthy, unnecessary products, helping brands, Fortune 500 brands sell those, uh, had built a nice culture, had a had a great team, but the work just you know, it wasn't hitting home. There was something more there. And it was really the first time that that started to hit home. I I think I always thought, you know, when I'm retired or when, you know, once I make a bunch of money, I'll go and help the world. But it just became very real that like, I was, I was approaching 40 and, you know, this would be another five, seven years when we raise this money. It's a long-term project. And, you know, I could be dedicating these years to something more meaningful, more fulfilling. And I just looked around in my life and I didn't know where that was coming, you know, where that fulfillment, where that joy was. Um, I wasn't, depressed, but I think I was just too busy to even know what I was at that time. And so I started looking around and that really is where my journey began. I, around that time I was introduced to ayahuasca. um, And really within two weeks, I was in a Brooklyn yoga studio and had my first ceremony. And at the time I was very analytical. I analyzed everything, but I, when, when, when I was approached with this, it was just like a yes, Mm. didn't do the research, just kind of went and, and did it. And I'd always been spiritual. I was studying Kabbalah for f- five years in New York. Read a lot of books, but it never like hit the heart. It was always like this: I got it um, in the mind, uh, and and then I didn't really know how to use it because, you know, it still kind of spins around there with all the other information, all the other analytics. And uh, with ayahuasca, that started to shift. Started to drop. Um, I know you talk about this a lot. Drop from the eighteen inches uh, from the head to the to the heart, and. That sent me on basically a two-year journey when I, you know, I left New York, I left my marriage, I got, ended up getting fired from the company because I wouldn't raise, raise the money. And so- this is, this is
0: 2016?
1: Probably around then, yeah. Okay. Sounds about right.
0: Yeah. Continue, sorry.
1: And uh, so, yeah, I just started on this path and for the first time I had no attachments, you know, I didn't really- all the things that made me who I was or who I thought I was, you know, going to a party and I'm a startup founder. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm a, you know, this, that, you know, I I didn't have any of that. And so really just started to
0: have to reinvent myself by nature. At that time, how much of your identity was attached to being the startup guy, the successful entrepreneur? Pretty much all of it, Mm
1: -hmm. you know, that and, yeah, I was I was running my softball team. I was, you know, managing that. I was competitive in everything I did. It was just all like competition and doing the, you know, doing things. And, you know, kind of the rest of it, you know, hadn't hadn't really been been nurtured. And that's where that's where that journey ended up taking me. And you know, about two years it was pretty heavy on. I did a lot of traveling. I did a lot of just different modalities, a lot of a lot of work, a lot of um workshops, medicine. And I ended up writing my story on Medium. I had never written an article, I decided to write a story, mainly because I didn't know how to tell people, including my parents, like, who I was. Because mm. <laughs> everyone knew me as this other Brandon, and I felt like I'd start to develop, you know, a lot of this new sides, a lot of this new thinking, and I didn't even know how to communicate that to someone. And so I wrote this article, it ended up being a pretty long, like, 25-minute read, which is extremely long for Medium. I had no followers, posted it on my 40th birthday, and went viral. And I just was getting all this feedback, like, this is my story, this is my story, this is my story from a lot of people that similarly had a lot of success, high performing, and were not finding fulfillment and didn't know what to do. And that's really where One Heart, One Heart stemmed from, how can we help these people? How, you know, I had just done all this work and, you know, all these modalities, like, how can we bring that to uh, the leaders, people that are going to make, you know, potentially can make an oversized impact in the world? How do we bring that to them?
0: Yeah that's so powerful and that is just another reason why it's so important to share our story and to speak our truth because we might not think that anyone's listening or watching but we never know the ripple effect the butterfly effect that our words can have and the impact that we can create with humanity and that's a beautiful lesson so for anyone who is starting fresh you have zero followers and you're like nobody cares what i have to say use that story from brandon as inspiration you know i'm curious to know going back to that first ceremony in brooklyn Mm -hmm. what was that experience like what were some of the divine downloads that you had
1: yeah it it was a beautiful experience i mean as i go now to what we do with one heart i mean it was You know, in many ways, nothing, you know, nothing compared to that, but it was exactly what I needed at that moment to obviously get me to where I am. Um, I would say that the ceremony, the first cup I drank, not much happened. There was no preparation as, as with most (laughs) ayahuasca ceremonies. Uh, So I just kind of showed up there. Luckily, some guy walked up to me and started talking to me a little bit about his, his experiences in Peru before. And he had told me about, you know, how important it was for him to take the second cup and how you know, he didn't really feel much from the first. And I heard that voice in my head because after the first, I was just like, damn, this doesn't work for me. I'm out of here. Probably still in my head. And I took the second cup and then, you know, it was like the colors, the sacred geometry and things started opening up. And really the main thing I remember feeling is just absolute knowing of oneness of divinity. You know, I always believed in that, but never felt that. And it was just so like undeniable in that moment. And just that, just having that undeniability kind of changes everything um, once, you know, once you're feeling into that and you're experiencing that. And so I think that feeling is really what I carried forward. I don't remember a lot about going deep into traumas or into childhood or, you know, much of anything else. I do have, I did write a lot of notes, so I'm sure there was, uh, it was more that happened, but that was, that was the main takeaway that I had from that experience.
0: Yeah. That feeling of oneness. Speaking of your childhood, you grew up in Ohio, right? Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland? (laughs) Putting Cleveland on the map. Uh, Me and LeBron.
1: He's he's Akron, I'm Cleveland. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) I'm curious to know kind of a little bit of that experience. And you mentioned one of the things that really caught my attention about what you said about that Medium article was that you wanted to figure out how to tell your parents who you were. And that hits. that When you said that, I feel like so many people are going to resonate with that Mm. because especially as you pursue this path and you start to connect with your highest self, a lot of the old parts of yourself that maybe your close friends and family identify with are no longer part of you really. Mm. And it's hard to kind of detach yourself from that old self and really step into your power and be confident with showing up as your new highest self. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know your childhood with your parents. What was that like? What was your relationships like? And uh, maybe how did that manifest later on into yeah. your life? I'm just curious because you've always, up until the last few years, had this mindset of like chasing and like like getting uh, getting to different goals. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm wondering if that was to potentially, um, get external validation Mm -hmm. from your mom or dad or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it was necessarily from them. Uh, so I grew up, you know, in a really amazing home. Like my dad was Captain, you know, coach of all my teams and my mom, you know, PTA driving me everywhere and, you know, super loving parents, always there for, for anything I need. Like really don't remember a moment when I like doubted their love or doubted them showing up for me, which is an amazing place mm. to come from. Uh, what I do remember is having, you know, I always had like guilt for that. I always looked around and I saw others that maybe didn't have what I had. And I always Felt this guilt, and that guilt often translated into me like you know, I was a hypochondriac at one point, and thought I would get this disease, or or this would happen, or I wouldn't, you know, this couldn't happen because I've already have, a, you know. So I, I would kind of um, not allow myself to have a lot of you know positive things happen in my life sometimes because I felt like who was I to deserve you know anymore. Mm. Uh, and I think a big component of that also was like a longing to like, how do I give this love back? Like, it's like almost too much and I don't know how to give this back. And I think that in many ways is how one heart likely came to be is like a vehicle to give back a lot of what I received. Um, as far as like the, the, the striving and the doing, (laughs) I mean, my parents were always just so proud of a lot, you know, a lot of what I did. So, you know, maybe I enjoyed you know, enjoyed that and wanted to keep that going. But I think more than that, it probably had more to do with like my height and <laughs> being a little short and just, just always wanted to prove myself and um, whatever I was doing, playing sports, you know, playing racing. football,
0: football on the, uh, racing yeah. me on the beach. Yeah, I did. I did. I be embarrassing me.
1: <laughs> I did beat Jeremy in a race on our last journey. Uh, we'll which, put a little
0: <laughs> clip up on here on the YouTube video. So you guys can see, I mean, it wasn't really close to be honest, but, uh,
1: and he's only, he's only 14 years younger than me, but
0: yeah, yeah, um, but that
1: that that was a beautiful moment for me because uh, there's a lot of me that I think in this spiritual journey I lost the competitive fire because mm. I I made it wrong you know like we're all supposed to be one we can't really be competing I was you know ultra competitive in many ways and um, it really started reawakening in some of my ceremonies and then I had that moment on the beach with you and I'm like. It was like a kid, like just running and like the, the satisfaction, well, just the camaraderie of doing that. And then, then the satisfaction of just kind of throwing it in your face a little bit was, yeah, yeah, yeah. was, was kind of fun. Uh, so, uh, and my dad used to do that all the time. Like my dad used to race all my friends and beat them all. And so it was, it, it was, uh, it was, it was a fun moment. Appreciate that.
0: Yeah. I appreciate it too. <laughs> and like, I could tell, I could tell you enjoyed it and I enjoyed that you were enjoying it. And I think what you said is absolutely right that we lose some of that competition. And really, of course, the most important competition to have is the competition with yourself. Like just becoming a little bit better every day, stepping out of your comfort zone and really pushing yourself through any perceived boundaries and seeing what's possible. Like what am I capable of? Yeah, and it's a tricky balance because then we get into what's enough. And when, you know,
1: if I'm always pushing myself, when... When am I enough? When am I good? And so
0: it's like, yeah, finding that, you know, that balance. Uh, yeah. Is, yeah. It's been. And it, I can relate to a lot of what you just said about feeling guilt and shame or maybe not shame, but feeling guilt mm-hmm. for not necessarily having as big of traumas as many other people. And I remember holding on to a lot of that and different things coming up in ceremonies and Allowing myself to release some of that guilt and shame felt so fucking good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And really not taking for granted the beautiful circumstances in which we came from. Like that's a gift and we can give that gift to others, which is what you're doing with one heart. And for those who don't know, this was my second time going on a one heart journey. The first time was August, 2020, which was absolutely incredible. And... (laughs) this past journey in Costa Rica was absolutely incredible easily the most transformative week of my life
1: yeah and you were a big part of that transformation all that you led there and uh it was amazing to have you as an elevation leader and facilitator and your energy was just so present
0: yeah we brought the energy (laughs) and You mentioned a little bit of your inspiration for starting one heart after your first ceremony, after your journey of kind of wanting to really just find fulfillment and do something that aligns with your purpose and creates an impact for humanity. So what would you say is the mission of one heart journeys? Our
1: mission is to elevate the leaders so that what they create in the world, you know, creates even greater impact. So we're really, you know, focused on, you know, if, if, you know, the boss goes back to work and treats his employees that much better, if the company they start next is, you know, that much more eco-friendly, if, uh, you know, just their mindset and the way that they, you know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, uh, bosses and CEOs that bring their employees or bring different people from their teams. And, you know, they start to want to spread, um, what this is through their organizations. And, you know, there's not really a better teacher um, in any area of life than 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 Mother Ayahuasca. So it's 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 beautiful to to see that happen and to see how some of these companies emerge. See, we have a lot of couples that come and how their relationships uh, evolve and get get to the next level. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's obviously um, there's a lot of places these days to do ayahuasca, and you know, there's a lot of good practitioners. But our focus is really on the community and on the collective energy of these powerful leaders and what happens when we all show up together and we learn from each other and we hold each other high and we motivate each other and inspire each other, not just on the journey. I mean, our program is a eight week program. So we have two weeks of preparation beforehand, which obviously you know well, you lead some of that as an Elevation Leader. We have the week of the journey and then we have five weeks post of integration, which you know really all that stuff is, is so critical in anyone uh, that's doing these experiences. And unfortunately, rarely offered and we've just seen how much deeper the impact is with that and with our container you know you, you've seen how, how close i mean people are on whatsapp like crazy like connecting with each other yeah. and that community is as much the medicine as 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 ayahuasca is and that's really how we you know we kind of blend those things together
0: yeah thanks for sharing that something something that a conversation that i heard come up at both journeys actually which is funny and makes a lot of sense is some of those people who do have leadership roles, Mm -hmm. they're basically saying like, I'm never doing business again with anyone. Like if I'm going to get into business with anyone, I want to sit ceremony with them. Mm -hmm. Like I want them to experience this medicine Mm -hmm. so we can really connect on that vulnerable, intimate level. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk a little bit about, what makes one heart so special in my eyes, as you mentioned, it's an eight week experience. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even call it a program. It's an eight week experience. And I had one prior journey with ayahuasca four years ago in Peru, which was absolutely expansive. And with that being said, it was by no means this conscious container that one heart has cultivated. And that preparation from the dieta to, really getting to know who you're going to be journeying with. Everyone arrives and it's like, oh yeah, like what's up? (laughs) I I recognize you. Right. And then also, also the entire week is so carefully crafted. Of course, the ceremonies are beautiful and transformational. And (laughs) it's all of the other activities and exercises that we infuse in there Mm -hmm. that just, amplifies all of the impact. Yeah. And then to finish things off, the 4 week container that we host after the 1 week is an absolute game changer. Mm-hmm. Cause when you go into these experiences and you face some of these childhood traumas and emotional wounds, it can be very overwhelming. Yeah. If, if you don't have the tools to right. integrate and that's what this community helps with.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what a lot of people don't realize the medicine, I mean, dating back hundreds and thousands of years, it was done in community. It was done in a local community. So when you sat with the medicine, everyone in your community sat in that medicine, it's, you know, sat with the medicine and your life was integration. You were there with your community And now you have people just kind of going to Peru or going to a yoga studio in Brooklyn, you know, having this massively transformational downloads of information and trying to go, you know, I I Ubered home and got my Uber, had my Uber pulled over uh, from my ceremony. And, uh, you know, that, that, that snaps you back pretty quickly. So it's, it's really like, how do you, you know, you really need to be in that environment longer. You need to have the support system and community of people that understand and, you know, and it's following them. What are they doing next? I mean, you're giving some amazing like health information and, and, and different information on there. Other people are sharing books and there's just a lot of like expansiveness that happens. And you don't really know where to direct that when you're, you know, kind of on your own dropping back, back into your life.
0: Yeah. For anyone who is considering pursuing this path of ayahuasca or any other plant medicine, that's very powerful and sacred really do your due diligence on who you trust with this experience that is the biggest piece of advice i could give because like brandon said as this stuff gets more and more mainstream more and more people are claiming to be shamans more yoga studios are just offering these one night ayahuasca ceremonies but if you really want to get the most out of this experience you really want to commit to doing the work preparation wise and integration wise afterwards yeah you know um curious to know maybe recently with these ceremonies for you how how many times have you sat with the medicine at this point
1: uh i lost track it's it's probably around 70 or so okay yeah, i mean i'd done quite a bit before and we've done we're on our we're going to be on our 15th journey this this october we sit with a few a few ceremonies each journey as well.
0: So, I think there's probably people listening and watching who are thinking, "Damn, like seventy journeys with ayahuasca? Like that <laughs> seems excessive. That seems unnecessary, right?" It well, is. I mean, if, if you're not in service, it definitely it definitely is. Right. So, so talk a little bit about that, mm-hmm. and then also some of the things that you still are getting from the medicine. Yeah. Right. Because it's so important that we maintain that respect and integrity. Mm -hmm. And I just want to make sure we communicate that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we generally, you know, we don't allow people to come on, you know, back-to-back journeys and generally advise, you know, six months or a year between journeys. If, if, if not more, there's just so much information you're receiving. And just receiving the information is great. You you create some awarenesses, but if you don't integrate that and you go and receive more information, you you all of a sudden just have all this information and it's overload to, to, to integrate it. So, you know, we speak when alumni want to come back, you know, we'll speak to them. We'll understand where they've been. We know we we know a bit because they've been part of our integration process. So we know the people that really dove in. And then, you know, we speak to them and understand, okay, they integrate all this stuff. But now they want to level up in another area or they're on to the next thing. And that's really when uh, it's a great time to go back. Uh, for myself, it's a little different when you're in service. I mean, much of my journeys are, you know, in service. Uh, we do all – everyone drinks the medicine in ceremony. Uh, you know, it supports us in kind of really knowing – tapping into what's going on in the room and much of our journeys may be supporting other people if, if they need, if they need help during ceremony. Uh, That being said, you know, there's always our individual journeys and things that come up. And I think since I started one heart, I mean, the journeys, it's the medicine and it's also just running this, I don't like to say company, this organization. Uh, There's a journey in that and just all the learnings, there's always things that come up. There's always things that happen. There's, you know, learning from, 40, 50 people every time and all of their breakthroughs and what's happening for them. Um, So there's always, there's always things happening. I think for me on this last journey, there was, you know, it kind of went with the competition stuff. There was a lot around, you know, playing small um, and just how, you know, I'm ready to kind of step more into it. I think with one heart, it is such a big mission. And at times it's been like, overpowering and like, do I really want to step into something else? Do I really want to, you know, I want to just be there fully to to own this. And there are a lot of things that, you know, I maybe have, have not stepped into that I'm, I'm more ready to. And I think I had a lot of messages come up with that and how you balance, you know, that I talk a lot about like type a and, um, and, uh, I'm writing a book on type B, um, B E. And so it's, it's really this, this dance. And we talk a lot about this on journey. It's like, how do you continue to create and build without it being this kind of not enough pressure, you know, this pressure of, of, of next, next, next. Yeah. And so that's kind of the dance that I felt a lot in this journey in general.
0: Yeah. When you say playing small, is that mostly referring to the mission with one heart or on a grander scale, like other things that you might be interested in pursuing? It's both. I mean, it's, it's, you know, in some ways all related.
1: I mean, all, all that I want to do is it's in service of this work, not necessarily all with plant medicine or necessarily through one heart, but in, you know, leveling up, okay. you know, helping to level up leaders and others and, and, and support in this, in this, in, in this role, uh, the book being one, that, you know, one, I've started the book, but it's time to really. I have <laughs> some good ideas for you, by the way. Really, really, yeah, we'll really dive in. It. Yeah.
0: After that, I think that I think will be very impactful. You mentioned leadership. Mm -hmm. That's something we definitely wanted to touch on. So I think a lot of people hear about the mental health benefits Mm -hmm. of plant medicines like ayahuasca. You know, it can help with PTSD, addiction, anxiety, depression, all of these things. And those are absolutely true. Mm -hmm. And not enough people talk about how this medicine Just helps you become a better human being and elevates you as a leader. And we saw it with the news when Aaron Rodgers opened up (laughs) about his experience with the medicine. Won two
1: MVPs after after his first ayahuasca experience back to back the last two years.
0: Yeah, and And credits the
1: medicine for 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 a lot of that.
0: And I think a huge reason for that, at least in my opinion, is he started to really cultivate unconditional love for himself. Mm -hmm. And in that process, he felt called to pour that love to his teammates. Mm -hmm. So he became a better teammate. He became just a better, more at peace version of himself. So of course he's going to show up in a more powerful way on the field.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And another big piece I think is alignment, which is, um, yeah, really how I see the medicine. And when I'm going in, I'm always like trying to get realigned, you know, it's like, where am I misaligned and how do I, you know, kind of realign. And by nature, when we're aligned, we're just going to create that much better. We're going to communicate that much better our message is going to get out there. Uh, I remember Aaron Rodgers in, in the interview was, was talking a little bit about, he had some footwear mecha- uh, mechanics that were like huge for him early in his career. And he kind of just got lazy later in his career. Cause he was so good that he could, you know, he didn't really need right. to worry about it. And he just went back, you know, and got back to that alignment of like the things that he did that no one else did in the league or did better than anyone else in the league. And now, mm. you know, that, that, kind of drove him forward to another level. So it's, it's just, yeah, really just aligning everything so that, you know, ayahuasca, I mean, there's, there's people that are often, you know, they come on the journeys and they're afraid, Oh, I'm going to leave my career. I'm going to do this. And sometimes that does happen. um, But it's always because that's what your higher self and soul is calling. It's, it's helping you to integrate. i mean, sorry, helping you to align and that alignment. Then we see people that maybe left some, high paying career and they're, all, they're doing something that you would think would never make money and all of a sudden they're like flowing and I mean look you know you're, you're crushing it you know with what you're doing here and this is your you know this is your passion and love and uh, you know we see a lot of that on the journey people finding that sweet spot and then when they find that sweet spot things just open up
0: yeah <laughs> I don't know how many more sad wealthy people we need to see to learn from these lessons. Mm -hmm. It's like continuing to sell your soul for a paycheck is always going to have you feeling empty inside Mm -hmm. and sure. It might be giving you those quick hits of dopamine and instant gratification and maybe some external validation, but you have to ask yourself, is it genuinely filling up your heart and lighting your soul on fire? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, Then you got to check in with yourself and ask yourself, do I want to continue down this path? Yeah. All right. Chances are you want to be successful. You want to unleash your full potential. I mean, why else would you be listening to this podcast? And here's the thing. If you want to become the best version of yourself, you need to let go of some of those things that no longer serve you. Those toxic thought patterns, those limiting beliefs, those harmful habits and addictions that have you playing small and settling for mediocrity. Listen, I'm going to keep it real. If you want to take shit to the next level, you need to get uncomfortable. You need to remove some of those blockages from your life. And that's exactly why. I created the Microdosing mastermind to really give you all of the tools to transform into the best version of yourself. And yes, we provide you the highest quality medicine in the world. In addition to the highest quality mentorship, we've helped countless students in our mastermind safely wean off of pharmaceutical drugs. We've helped so many of our students just become more healthy, more happy, and most importantly, more present throughout their day, whether that's with their children, their husband or wife, with their work as they're building a business. Presence is power. So if you want to become the most powerful version of yourself, hit the link in the show notes and apply for our micro dosing mastermind. Now let's get back to the show.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, our society is built on safety. I mean, that is, that is the main motivator. It's to get away from fear and into safety. And so when we operate from that nature, of course I need a job I need to support my family I need you know and that's you know the mindset that we're all we're all raised with I mean like well, you got to go to college and you got to study these things and you know none of that actually makes sense when you think about it like <laughs> making a decision of like why you know what you should study based on you know where there's the most jobs or the most money like who you know there's so many <laughs> so many accountants and lawyers that are like <laughs> you know, follow their dad or or whoever into, into that space and are like, what am I doing? And it's a challenge. And when the further you get in your life, it, it feels harder to to make that transition and, ma- and make that shift. And we've seen it be very possible. Uh, but you you kind of need something to really shake you out of that and to really take you and help you open up and explore, you know, some creative outlets that maybe are, you know, were dormant for a while.
0: Yeah. I had this reflection the other day after getting back from our journey and basically it all made sense. It, it, it started to all make sense as to why all of these powerful plant medicines and healing modalities were outlawed in the early 1970s. And the reason they were outlawed is because they help you discover what self-love truly is. And the last thing that the government wants, the last thing that these huge pharmaceutical companies want is for you to actually be in control of your health and healing Mm -hmm. because they only make money from sick people. So the last thing they want is for you to be healthy and healed. And I just think it's beautiful to see the other people. I almost learn more from these journeys watching the people around me Mm -hmm. from day one to day seven, it's absolutely incredible. And I know what's even more incredible is that we've, we've, we've created this container at one heart that allows that transformation to continue Mm -hmm. and not just be temporary. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so massive. I know we touched on it already. Um you mentioned alignment, mm-hmm. right? And the importance of that for you. Recently, maybe let's say the last couple of years, what areas of your life maybe maybe revealed themselves to be misaligned in some capacity? Yeah. I mean, I I think it's more
1: adjustments kind of in all areas. I think, mm. I think even with, with one heart, I mean, there was so much we didn't know. I mean, we, we, you know, we knew nothing about this work going in and just learning about how to, how do you manage this type of community? How do you, you know, there's, there's just a lot of areas, you know, that where I constantly, you know, want to make sure I'm in, we integrity with, like, how do we treat people? There's, there's people that last minute don't want to come on, you know, can't come on a journey. And, you know, we need, we also need to, you know, run a business and honor the you know our medicine team and the people coming on these journeys and and all of that so there's a lot of adjustments you know you have this nature like i want to you know we want to be gen- generous and you know allow and then how do we also hold that strong container so that you know people do co- you know cuz a lot of people get f- fearful you know and want to you know have excuses to to jump off a journey last minute and so it's also like how do you hold a strong container. So hopefully they, they feel the strength to, to move forward with that. Um, so I think there's a lot of, a lot of stuff around work. Um, you know, a lot of stuff in relationship where you're constantly, you know, trying to align and, you know, you're with a partner and she has obviously her own worldview or own perspectives and I have mine. And so it's, how do we, you know, coexist and, 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 and manage, um, when our values feel like, uh, they're not fully aligned. And so I think that's, mm. that's a constant, uh, you know, a constant practice That's why re- relationships are one of the most spiritual practices. Cause, um, you're learning way more than you are like, you know, alone in your apartment. Cause it's, it's pretty easy to align. Yeah. Uh, when that's the case, I think it's, it's, it's much more challenging when, uh, you bring that in. And then obviously with families and, Children and all of that stuff brings brings other layers to uh to the alignment process,
0: yeah, man over here is about to be a daddy pretty soon yeah, let's go this year <laughs> um, curious to know in the how long have you and Jeanette been together four years
1: about four years yeah
0: so in those four years curious to know what do you if you could maybe if you could maybe offer three truths
1: mm-hmm.
0: in your experience about building a strong foundation with a partner, mm-hmm. what are the three most essential things?
1: Yeah, I would say one is is really the ability to grow together and the desire you had know, the growth mindset, mm-hmm. desire to grow, because you will you know, you're going to be different people and you're going to change in different ways. So how can you, you know, uh, support each other's growth in, in, in that way? Mm. Um, I would say values alignment is, 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 is really important, especially as you start thinking about kids and you know, how you want them raised. And, and when you're doing this type of, you know, when your work is something that is heart and soul, like how can you best align your values? And oftentimes, you know, there's different perspectives and we're coming coming from different places. And so how can, you know, how can those both fit, especially with, you know, we're both quite strong personalities, both doing this work in different ways. So how do you, how do you align that? Um, and third, uh, yeah, it's really like, you know, communication and really having a way to um, speak to each other with respect and resolve uh, conflicts as, as they occur, as, as they will occur. And, you know, really being able to hold that respect and, um, hold other perspectives. I think it's something that I feel has evolved the most. I I feel like when I was younger, um, and even, you know, definitely shows up now, especially in a business, I have a very clear direction. I mean, I, you know, describe myself as a visionary. I see steps ahead. So it's very hard for me sometimes to, Mm. you know, have the conversations here when I'm already, (laughs) I'm already there. I know what's happening. Um, But one of the things I've really feel like I've worked hard on and I've been forced to work hard on, I think because of one heart and, uh, and the partnership, but uh, is just to like really respect other, other perspectives. And I think also in our society today, you're seeing so much of like people are this or they're that. Right, And there's just so many realities and so many ways to look at things. And it's really the, you know, I think it's like the greatest skill people can have right now is the ability to hear perspectives and try them on and offer their own without, you know, it it becoming, uh, you know, I'm on this side, you're on this side. And we're seeing that with so many, so many polarized issues that, that come up and uh, it even happened in one heart. Um, you know, we saw some of the polarization with some of the political things that, that, that emerged and it's just like, you know, within the community. And, um, we always took the stance of, you know, we love you both. Like you can have this position or this position. Why are we like, you know, why are we like trying to shut someone out because they believe something different? Uh, We already know who they are. We know they're great people on both sides. Like why?
0: Yeah. Isn't that what they want though? Isn't that what? Who's they? Isn't that what? The government and mainstream media wants is to create this massive amount of divisiveness.
1: Yeah, and we we get to choose if we if we accept that. And I, you know, I I was on. I you know used to be on Facebook posting about politics, and then just at one point it was just like, what am I doing? Like no one's no one's listening. No one. I'm not shifting anyone's opinion. No one's shifting my opinion on this. Like like we're not going to do that here. Like how does this serve anyone? How is my energy being? served well here. How, how do I don't feel better doing this? And, you know, I just stepped out of it and, you know, I just haven't found, I haven't found the need to drop back in. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just unnecessary. It's like you talked about, especially another one of the really cool things about one heart and the whole way it's set up is that in Typical society, the classic first questions you ask someone are, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? Right? Yeah. With one heart, the what do you do question actually happens on like day five or six. Yeah. And that allows you to meet people from a space of true connection mm-hmm. without having any alternative motives. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As we say, we go deep, deep, especially those first, those those first uh, couple of days, we, we start off with some, some deep questions and really just, yeah. Getting to know people, you know, for who they are, like really sitting across the way and feeling their heart and knowing, you know, their soul, uh, things that, you know, we, I've had friends in New York that I went out drinking with for 10 years or 15 years that Mm -hmm. I don't never got to that point with. And we do it literally in a day. Um, it's an, yeah.
0: That actually <clears throat> triggers a thought. So you spent a majority of your adult life in Silicon Valley, New York. Not right? Silicon Valley, in New York. All New York. So you spent a majority of your adult life, let's say adult life in New York, mm-hmm. being in this startup scene and having that identity, hanging out with probably similar type people. Right. As you started to really shift your trajectory and your journey, these last six, seven years, what's your relationship like with some of your close friends from that world? Have you kind of distanced yourself? Do you still have that close connection?
1: It's interesting because I've always been like, you know, I'm a Leo, super loyal. And so I had a lot of like high school friends for Ever and, you know, stayed close uh, with some of my college friends. And it really, I, I guess, you know, when, when I described like all those transitions in my life, it happened at a time when I, I left New York and a lot of my friends had also left already, but I left New York and went to Miami. And so it was almost like, a, you know, there almost was like this clean break and it was, it became just not just the distance, but it was just became clear. There was just a lot of distance in where I was and what I was into and supportive of at this point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot shifted. I mean, I had two weddings and, you know, there was very different friends that came to the second wedding than, than, than the first wedding. Uh, cause you naturally, um, you naturally evolve and some people will evolve with you. Some people will get curious and, and, and jump in and others, you know, are good where they are and, or, you know, that they're, they're not looking to move or they're still in that slumber or wherever that whatever state they're they're in, in in their life or just in a cozy place and that's great it just it becomes it becomes hard when you're kind of on a different mission um you know i'm not you know and i really from the time i moved to miami i i, I don't think i've been to one club at night time here i think <laughs> maybe like a daybreaker during the day you know having you know basically haven't drank drink other than maybe a glass of wine or two And so it's just a very different life than what I was, what I was doing in New York. And so when you come here and you're going to, you know, more spiritual events and yoga and um, staying home a lot more and nesting and all of that, it just, it becomes different and it's okay, it's okay for us to nurture the relationships that nurture us.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I have a message for anyone who's (laughs) listening or watching that it's okay. (laughs) to outgrow your friends. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes people say outgrow,
1: let's say uh, (laughs) they're maybe growing in their own way, but yeah.
0: Well, well, this is what I'm going to say. It's okay to outgrow your friends, certain people from your past Mm -hmm. and understand that just because somebody was part of your chapter, 14 mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they need to be part of your chapter 21. Yeah. And that is okay. And it doesn't have to be done in a mean or resentful way. It's just like you said, going to evolve. You mm-hmm. always need to prioritize your peace, your growth, yeah. your self love because ultimately you're going to be in a relationship with yourself for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. I think it happens kind of naturally. So it wasn't like I was intentionally, it was just like, I was doing my things. They clearly weren't into my things. And if I'm strong in what my things are and what, you know, what I'm standing for, I'm not attracting them in anymore. And it just kind of naturally goes, goes that way. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think, I think it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be this like, you know, I'm breaking up with you. I'm, it's just, you kind of naturally, yeah, just emerge yeah. And, and move in different directions.
0: No, for sure. Is yeah. there, is there anyone, is there anyone in your life, maybe an old friend or family member who you've been able to introduce the medicine to mm-hmm. that maybe shifted something with a relationship? Um curious because there's, mm-hmm. there's a few people that and again, I would never push this medicine on anyone, right? It's like, I share my story and experiences. Maybe it piques your interest. Maybe it piques your curiosity and you feel called to the medicine. Yeah. Right. We're just vessels. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if that's happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had some friends. Uh, I've had my brother-in-law uh, come on, which which, which which he actually came on two journeys and was an elevation leader on the second, which was beautiful. And most recently, as, as you know, we had Jeanette's... Uh, sister and brother and, and my brother-in-law, um, join, which is really beautiful as well. Um, it's really amazing to experience it with like people you really love and care for. Cause I know what's coming and like to know and see that happen with them is beautiful. Um, I have, uh, an intention of my mom joining very soon, potentially the next journey, <laughs> um, kind of waiting on, you know, her to really feel into it. I know she's, she's open to it. Uh, I think it would be, you know, be really beautiful to, to share that, especially, um, her to get to see, you know, she's been a big part of what I've been able to create and uh, my influence as has my dad. And, uh, I think it'd be beautiful to, to see that, experience that. And, uh, I would love for my parents to, to know what we know at this point in their lives too.
0: Yeah. That, that is, that's a beautiful vision. I'm <laughs> confident it's going to come to the surface soon. I actually just started my mom on a microdosing protocol, which I'm very, very, very excited about because it was something that I think she has wanted to try. But because my dad was a brain doctor and came from that background, he had some resistance towards it. And after witnessing so many of the breakthroughs that we've been creating with the microdosing mastermind... The results don't lie, yeah. right? And it's similar to this medicine. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be the same after. So you don't even really have to convince anyone of anything. You really just have to be. Mm-hmm. They just have to be ready.
1: Yeah. You have to be ready and have a willingness to welcome what's, what's coming. There's a, you know, a trust in a, you know, when you know the beauty and the love of, you know, what you can receive and you're able to, to kind of trust in that. You know, it's, it's hard for many, many are just grabbing onto control and what they, what they can control and keeping things the same. And there's points in people's lives when maybe the same is no longer okay, or they're just open and ready to take on something new.
0: Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about baby spirit. <laughs> I want to talk about baby spirit. Cause you're 45.
1: Mm-hmm. Just turned 45 this month.
0: Right. And I'm curious to know, did you always see yourself being a father? I did. Yeah. And what is this journey like for you? I mean, like, what are some, maybe what are some of the things that you're doing potentially Mm -hmm. to prepare for fatherhood, even though spirit isn't physically here yet, a couple months away?
1: I mean, one of the things I've been doing is uh, a bit of nesting. So like I've been, we're in Costa Rica now and been build, building and at you know, a home there and really creating that space. It's been something that's important is really, um, you know, having nature around, having a beautiful environment, um, for a child to come in has, has, has been important. So that's been uh, a fun project for me. And one that's also, you know, really meaningful from that, from that regards. Mm. Uh, I mean I you know I read some stuff but I I really just I I feel intuitively you know I have niece and nephew and um just always loved kids and I just feel kind of tapped into how I want to be as a father how I want to show up uh, I think being these one, hard journeys, as, as you've met some of my staff are a little bit, you know, a little bit younger and just been with them and seen them develop. And, um, I think a lot of people feel that father energy from me, um, you know, through the journeys. And I, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I like that. I've always liked that it, With all my companies, I've always kind of the, the piece that I've enjoyed the most is seeing people emerge, seeing people, you know, be their best and creating the space for them to, to move into that.
0: Yeah. What's your opinion on, I think, I I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait, first of all, for this baby shower tomorrow. (laughs) I can't wait to see you holding this baby. It's going to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Curious to know your thoughts and your stance kind of on, especially in this psychedelic space or this plant medicine space, this wellness Mm -hmm. retreat space. What's your approach on being a nonprofit? Mm -hmm versus being a for-profit and for-purpose. I know a couple of people who are in this mm-hmm. space and they're like, like, fuck being a non-profit. We're like a for-purpose right. for organization. And I'm curious to know your stance yeah. on that.
1: I mean, I think it's really, the way I've, I've viewed it is it's really just how you run the organization because you can pay yourself you know, kind of whatever is a nonprofit, you can, you know, run it as a for, I, th- I think we've, we've generally just kind of kept the for-profit just from flexibility standpoint, from accounting standpoint and just, um, but in many ways we run it as a nonprofit. We have a you know, scholarship fund that's attached to it. We, um, you know, are not looking to you know sell the company and, you know, in any way, shape or form. Uh, so it's, it's really just, you know, how do we, you know, everything is just, how do we best serve these journeys? And, you know, when there's abundance, you know, how do we distribute that uh, to the team? So yeah, for me, it's always, I've never fully understood the distinction all that much, except with a nonprofit, obviously you can, you can um, request donations um, tax-free and legally that doesn't quite work with our business um, as far as, because the scholarship fund is something kind of separate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, we haven't really found the reason to to necessarily switch over. Um, you know, we just we just focus on just running, doing things with integrity, doing the work we want to be doing. I think this medicine, you know, in my opinion, you know, if should keep you honest. Like <laughs> you know, it beats you up if if you're misaligned. And so I, I you know, I think that's really the the you know, the gauge and doing right by this medicine and it's okay that, you know, we have some abundance or some support, but really focus on you know the work we're doing and making sure that that we're delivering that and you know none of our decisions are are really based on money.
0: Yeah. Well you mentioned earlier that what does playing big Mm. look like Mm. look like in regard we've talked a lot about
1: building our own retreat center, building our own retreat center, building especially early on. And there's, you know, it's also just figuring out like what part, ego, what part of that is ego, what part of that is ego, what part of that is using now. He had been on a journey and built this amazing center that you've, you've been to on the beach. And so great. And so great. We had that that center. And that call may still come. It may, you know, we may want to do that in the future, but really doing that from a place of like the center really needs to be there um, to serve one harder to serve, serve the world. So I think, I think those have been kind of two of the projects and it's, you know, it's, it's been a lot of transition for us, like moving and having a baby. And so it's, it's just kind of like, you know, getting grounded and in, in, into that place and really figuring out um, what that looks like. I think the other piece for me personally is just like with the book, and you know, I'm I don't like to put myself out there too much. Uh, um, so it's yeah, it's it's allowing myself to do more of that, knowing that it will serve a greater cause. Versus like, you know, I'm not someone who really likes to talk about himself and um, self promote, and so trying to get a little more comfortable with that, knowing that I feel this book has a lot of meaning that it can put into the world and it can propel a lot of other, a other, other things I want to do. And so, um,
0: for me, it's stepping into that. Yeah. you got to put that shit out, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> that's like, happening. When it, and it's just, even just, even just being at, that's why I really liked, I really loved the final workshop that we did that mm-hmm. like, like not the ending of it, um, <laughs> or the lack thereof, uh, but having people like get up in front of people and say, I am mm-hmm. Right. And like really own their voice Mm -hmm. and step into that, I think is really important Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of us have had our light dimmed Mm -hmm. throughout the years. So to be able to go against that narrative, that your voice doesn't matter and actually start sharing your truth from an authentic place, knowing that by doing that, you're giving permission to others to do the same. Yeah which is powerful.
1: Yeah. This journey had a lot of that. Like we saw, I mean, everyone was really participating and you saw like when someone was maybe a little more quiet, when as soon as they spoke up, it like just everyone, everyone jumped in. So it's, it's those quiet voices. And you know, when they speak and when people speak up, it just, it motivates everyone else that much more. Um, You know, society tends to be, you know, there's the people that speak a lot and they, are good at it. And sometimes you get a room with them and they're leading the meeting and running everything. And it's, it's really like, how do you yeah, open that space and allow, allow everyone to step into that fully?
0: Yeah. I want to be sensitive of, has it already been an hour? Yes, sir. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I want to be conscious of the time. And I also wanted to get your experience of the last ceremony that we Uh sat i went on this deep journey of self-love and i would love to just hear your perspective of what that was like to watch and witness (laughs) (laughs) watch you (laughs) honestly selfishly i'm curious to know it's
1: a little sexual Uh, It was a, uh, there was a lot of self-love happening for sure. Uh, A lot of, a lot of massaging, uh, loving yourself, um, huge smiles. It's beautiful. I think a lot of times of the day ceremony, especially you can see people. And because we've been through a couple of ceremonies, they tend to be more celebratory. So it's always this beautiful moment when you just like people have been through it all. And then you can see the release and the relaxation Mm. and you know, the joy that's on the other side, and so uh, that's always beautiful to watch. You're definitely—I was kind of—I know exactly where you were sitting, uh, seeing you, seeing you a bunch, and enjoying uh, the energy that was that was coming from you. I think we we shared for sure some some beautiful dance uh, dance moves on the dance floor as well, um, which is always yeah, so so gratifying and releasing for me. And especially in that, that 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 third ceremony, I love to um, see the whole group. I mean, just about everyone on the dance floor yeah. celebrating. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you seemed, and this was like our first time spending significant time together Mm -hmm. since the last journey. Mm -hmm. You definitely seemed more open Mm -hmm. and like fully tapped in Mm -hmm. to your heart. Like the way you were just moving and dancing and like jumping, (laughs) catching me off guard. I was like, damn, this man can jump like that. Oh, shit. (laughs) I was, I was, I was like. Yes. Yeah. Like it was beautiful to see and witness.
1: Yeah. It's fun. Cause we also watch like alumni when they come back and like, you know, the first journey they're like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dancing like and that. That's cool. um And then each journey, like if you would did like a before and at, it's it, it'd be beautiful to watch that. uh You just, yeah, you open up certain things, you know, at, you know, with each journey, it's been 14 of the, oh, I don't know how many since the last one, but four or five journeys. And yeah, each journey there's a little bit more opening. I feel like a little bit more, um, I know Jesus, one of the medicine men. I mean, when I was having a journey a little, a little while back, um, and I was looking for my essence, um, which ultimately was truth, but Jesus said it's dancing. <laughs> it's me dancing. And so, um, I've just lived into, you know, more of that and how much, you know, just the free expression when you just let go. Um, cause a lot of us are dancing and like, what are we dancing next? What's people thinking? What? I mean, when you just let that go and often my eyes are closed and I'm just like, whatever, wherever the body flows. And, uh, I just love that feeling. And unfortunately, uh, don't integrate that enough into my life. Um, uh, make a commitment to do that more. And those, those moments are are, are special.
0: Yeah. We, we, we both, you and I both, (laughs) I don't dance enough either just on a day-to-day basis. And I fucking love it every time I do. Um as we begin to wrap up here is there anything that we didn't touch on that you feel called to share and um, speak into We talked about the race right <laughs> for, for those watching we're going to play a clip if you didn't already do it We're on the beach in Costa Rica I was actually just filming a con, uh, a video by myself minding my own business and then Brandon comes over intrudes says do you want a race I'm like like is this dude serious Does he really want to get embarrassed at his retreat that he's hosting? I'm like, all right, fuck it. I guess I'll do it to him. And it went terribly wrong. And this is just a powerful lesson to the kids out there. (laughs) Humility. Don't judge a book by its cover. Because he made me look bad. He embarrassed me. But ultimately... It made me a stronger, better version of myself. And now I'm doing sprint training three times a week and I'm coming for your ass.
1: All right. We did, we did dominate the spike ball court Just a little bit.
0: Spike ball is a f- <laughs> phenomenal game. As partners,
1: yeah, that's fun.
0: We should, we should actually, I'm going to make a pitch. Hey, founders of spike ball, <laughs> if you're watching this, listen, we love your game and we would love to take this relationship to the next level. So if you're watching and you want to be involved with One Heart Journeys, the impact that we're creating, you know where to find us. So that's my pitch. We've gotten a couple of sponsorships through these spontaneous videos. So I see another one in our future. But is there seriously anything that you want to share <laughs> uh, that, that you feel called to share? Maybe like a final, a final message for the people.
1: Well, first of all, I mean, I just appreciate being here. appreciate your brotherhood and, uh, watching, you know, been able to watch you emerge from the Miami May days and first journey to now. And it's, it's beautiful to watch. Very, very grateful for you. Um, yeah. Message for the people. I think I shared a lot. I ultimately, you know, it's cliche, but (laughs) tap into our heart. I just actually got some fresh, fresh tattoos. Uh, with the one heart, heart, uh, and uh, this 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 um, tattoo that I've had is the divine mind, and it's really about how to you know balancing the mind so we can really lead from our heart. Uh, and this 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 arm is really dedicated to my mission, and that mission, you know, we often think of coming from our minds. We're trying to figure out what our purpose is. We're trying to figure it all out. Figure out what our next company is, and just just tap in. Just find time in your day, practices in your day, where you can tap into what's really moving you what's and allow that to carry you forward uh you know we do it backwards so so often uh it's really finding that alignment first finding that grounding first and allowing that to go versus you know trying to set some arbitrary goals and achieve those and you know kind of follow that that hamster wheel
0: yeah yeah less doing more being Mm
1: mm-hmm
0: So I want to acknowledge you, my brother, for this friendship, this relationship, and for everything that you've created that's making such a massive impact and changing a lot of lives. And I think it's beautiful to see you recognize that you weren't having those feelings of fulfillment, taking action, getting uncomfortable, and really sitting with yourself you know, for those two years and really committing to this path and just embodying what it means to be a powerful man, a powerful leader. And I always just feel very (laughs) grounded and safe in your presence. And for that, I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Yes. And for those of you watching, listening, thank you too. We appreciate you too. And yeah, make sure, oh, I almost forgot. Where can people connect with you?
1: Oneheart.com. It's the number one and then H-E-A-R-T.com or oneheartjourneys on Instagram and you will find us.
0: Perfect. Yeah. We'll be posting a lot of this stuff. Um, Definitely, definitely, if you're interested in coming on one of these journeys, Um.
1: Got some spots for October. I don't know when this comes out. And then we have a new year's retreat coming up as well.
0: And I might potentially be going in March, right? Yeah. in the way March. Yeah. Yeah. Like so I'll probably be joining again in March. Um, and yeah, you can DM me as well on Instagram at coach Jeremy 305. If you want to ask more questions and I can put in a good word potentially on the application. Cause we really do curate a community of conscious growth oriented leaders. This really is a privilege, man. I feel very grateful to be part of the community, you know, and it's not something that I take for granted. So anyways, much love to everybody watching and listening. (laughs) You're fucking awesome. We appreciate you. Have an amazing day and we'll see you next time. Peace. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the Thrive University podcast. My mission here at Thrive University is to really educate and empower you with the tools, the skills, the knowledge to take 100% ownership of your life. And I hope you got some value from today's show. If you did, please, please, please tag me on your Instagram stories At Coach Jeremy 305 I'd love to connect with you In a deeper, more meaningful way So I make sure to repost those And also uh, show love And send a little surprise To anyone who tags me on Instagram Share this episode with a friend Leave a review It literally takes like 12 seconds to do so And it makes such a big difference in our ability to reach more people and impact more lives so thank you again for taking the time to listen i love you so much and you already know what time it is it's time to unleash your potential and thrive